Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. It's a big time in sports. NFL week three, week four, we're moving forward. Uh, Hockey and basketball just around the corner. NASCAR starts its playoffs. IndyCar over. Golf, golf, golf. We'll talk about that. So uh, really kind of interesting perspective on life. Amy Tenery, editor for uh, Reuters Global. I promise you we won't talk about how terrible your Mets are. How's that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I'm finally unburdened with the uh, the weight of expectation of anything positive happening this season. I, I just saw on Twitter, I think Wilmer Flores has been diagnosed with early onset arthritis in his knees. I mean, they're just, it's just sad. Early, <laughs> early onset bad season. So, yes. so uh, the, the one, one way to put it is the team stinks. The other way to put it is you're unburdened with high expectations. That was very, very good, by the way. Thank that was you. about the best, best way you could possibly talk about it. So it is an easy segue into golf. The FedEx Cup is happening right now as we speak. We'll rare this a lot more as the golf season ends. And even in next year, we've got some uh, cool guests set up. But what, what's your what's your kind of big takeaway in the, of the golf season this year? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's an exciting time for golf. And um, I'd, I'd much rather talk about golf than than uh, my, my sad team at the moment. You. But, um, you know, obviously with the Tour Championship underway, you know, none of this is news, really. But uh, there is going to be this scheduling change coming up next year with golf. And the fact that it's actually happening sooner rather than later is getting people talking about it again. Ironically, what I've been reading is that they're doing it to kind of avoid conflicting with football. Um, you know, the narrative around the NFL has been declining ratings. So it's sort of surprising to me that they would have this concern. Um, do you think that, I mean, the scheduling change, is that going to kind of throw things into chaos or do you think it's even necessary? Well, throwing things into chaos would only be if it happened at the last minute. And I think everybody in the industry is looking at it from a number of different perspectives on their own. So the Majors happen uh, once a month, which is really good. The PGA uh, Championship happens earlier. The British Open, called the Open to golf aficionados, ends in in July. Uh, The Tour Players Championship, which has always been a fifth major to some, begins earlier in March. Cooler weather in Jacksonville, but that's not really going to be an issue. So then the FedEx Cup Championship, as we speak, you know, Tiger is is playing really well. So number one is make sure the scheduling doesn't conflict with football. Then the second big issue is find someone to replace Tiger. Oh, no, we don't have to, Tiger, because Tiger's playing well himself. And frankly, uh, every time he tees it up now, there is a good chance, not that she shows up, that he shows up, but actually he wins. And so it moves the needle, some would say 40 to 50 percent, television, tickets, otherwise, Talked to Mark Lazarus, head of NBC, bumped into him in Atlanta. It's not a surprise since NBC carries that championship that he says, wow, Tiger's playing well. It's good for all of us. So that is a very important piece of this. The the other world is the the, uh, uh, LPGA, the the ladies' side. Our, Our interview, and we'll talk about your perspective on this, Angela Stanford, she won the Fort Worth Girls Championship 1993, four years in a row, graduated TCU, 
the degree in communications. But six LPGA wins, but a long time between the first one and this last week when she's the oldest woman since 1955 to win a major, 41 years old, second oldest player in LPGA history, and her birdie effort on the 72nd hole couldn't have been any closer or any more dramatic. What's your take on all this? Yeah, I, I think this is just a fabulous interview. I, I really feel like I, I walked away so much more enlightened about the kind of pressures that hang over these players. Um, you know, I, I tend to think, oh, golfers, they play for longer, so they have more opportunities to win big titles. But there's really so much pressure not only to stay out of Q school, but then also just to 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 stave off retirement. And, uh, you know, the fact is this major title that she won this week is her first after turning pro 18 years ago. I mean, I, I can't imagine how much mental fortitude it takes to to be in that business for 18 years fighting to get a title and just consistently you know obviously she's had a phenomenal career but just having it just out of your reach has to be so frustrating so i really admire her not only for her sport but also just for her mental fortitude she's very tough and that's impressive well it's impressive for a lot of different reasons and frankly if you're not a golfer uh, and if you're not a, a fan of women's golf, you need to hear this interview anyway because, A, it makes us all feel younger, uh, some younger than others. And so, you know, you're 41 years old. You win a major. It's wonderful. But second, sports people, athletes, business people, everybody else realize that if you put uh, your head to it and you plan it and you deal with the pressure, as Amy said, the right way, good things happen to you even if you're kind of deemed too old to win a major. So here she is, Angela Stanford. We're here at the Volunteers of America LPGA Texas Classic at Old America Golf Course in The Colony, Texas. Did I get that right? Was that I all think good? so. Good? You're good. Angela Stanford, one of golf's superstars. She has double-digit wins. No, she has. How's that? Does it get better every, <laughs> I every minute? I love it. I love it. I hope I see you by the end of the week. By, by, yeah. by the end of the week, we'll have 100 wins. <laughs> yeah. Six wins, Solheim Cup, a, a lot of success on the LPGA Tour. Um, you start as a youngster, uh, a real youngster, successful youngster. 1993 to 96, you won four straight Fort Worth uh, tournament girls championships. When did you know you were going to be a superstar? I didn't. I, I wasn't highly recruited. That's the funny part. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to play. Like that was the whole thing. I, I just wanted to play golf, and I was fortunate enough to be recruited by TCU and got to play all four years at TCU. And then at TCU, you decided Q school or right out to be a pro. What was the deal from there? You know, I should have I should have known this is the way my luck works. I, so my senior year, my coach says, well, if you're going to go to Q school, you probably need to go the, the first year out. You know, that, that's probably going to be your best bet. I'm like, OK, um, well, there's this thing called the Futures Tour at the Times. Now yeah. our Symmetra Tour, if I can go and I can get my status that way, then I won't have to go to Q school. So I do that, and then about the time I get the Curtis Cup call. So then I have to stay an amateur, and it just, like, it, it worked out perfectly. I got to play the Curtis Cup, the amateur, the British amateur, uh, the U.S. Open as an amateur, and then I had to go to Q School. So I was trying to avoid Q School, and then uh, went and made it my first time and been here ever since. And the pressure that the kids have Q School as a defining moment in their mm -hmm. career 
You have other kind of pressures, but that's not a pressure you have to currently deal with. You know, it it is a brutal week. Um, you know, and I and I told myself when I left, I never want to come back, uh, and and I haven't. And I think what we're doing with our Q school, we're changing the format. I think we'll we'll tell the you know I think you play eight rounds instead of five. Um, so I think that's I'm going to be interested to see how that goes because I think it's going to be good. Four-year speech communication major, so you can have any job in the broadcast booth that you ultimately want. Your career is set on the course, and I'm sure it would be off the course too. But a lot of the women that you play with probably have uncertain futures relative to a high-risk game mm. because they don't know where their next dollar is coming from. You know, talk about the business of being a pro golfer. I tell you, it, it's really, you know, the older I get, so I've been on here 18 years, and uh, I'm so glad I didn't know then what I know now. Um, because, would you have done it? Uh, yes. Yeah, of course yes, you would. I, you I would have. Anyway, I would but, have. but, you know, I tell people all the time, I start at zero. Every year I start at zero. Um, I think the one thing that we could probably, the, the area now that I'm older, I didn't know this when I was younger, is I think we could do better on the retirement and investment side of our tour. I that's the thing that scares me the most watching my, my younger friends is, you know, do they understand the retirement aspect of it? Do they understand? Because you're not going to play professional yeah. golf forever. You may not play two more years. Right. Um, are and you prepared for that? But you got to get there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, but you also have to do something for yourself along the way too. Um, I think that's the area of growth that our tour um, we probably need that the most, you know, after, and I've always said we've, you know, we've, you have all these little things and we're getting better in so many areas. Well, you know, retirement's one of those things that you don't really think about until you need it. So um, we have obviously, we're handling the things that we need to handle on this tour. But now that I'm getting older, I'm getting closer to that retirement. I'm thinking maybe we should, you know, look into that. Well, you know, and it's a trade-off, right? Because mm -hmm. golf and tennis are inherently independent contractor sports mm -hmm. and it's survival of the fittest. But yet there are obligations of the league to be able to prepare you to do some things. This would be one of them? Well, I mean, just, I, I don't mean, I mean um, education. Yeah. Like, what can we be doing for ourselves? You know, I think that, um, because I wasn't aware, you know, this is something that I've learned along the way. So I think that's an, a one area, um, talk about the business side of it, that I think we could learn more. How did you find your first sponsor? Um, you know, it was actually the relationship that I had with my uh, college golf team, TCU. Uh, Coach Angie had... Uh, relationship with Ping and she when we would go play in Phoenix we went to Ping and she's like you know I want you to introduce yourself to the employees I want you to know you know the people that are giving you the golf clubs yeah. to use and I said coach I want to be a Ping player and I loved that company I love you know how nice they were to me and they're just great people and I, I wanted to be a part of their team. Do you view the pro-ams as a uh uh, friendship solicitation, sponsorship solicitation, just getting to know people. What, how do you how do you get in? Oh, and you got to practice for the tournament. But what's what's the balance? I'm I'm very old school in my take on pro ams. Um, I believe it it is honestly for the the ams. It's for uh, it's their day. Um, any practice I'm going to do needs to happen before. I'll probably hit some putts out there, but hopefully all of my homework's done because that day is really about them and. I'm kind of old school in that because I've had some older ladies teach me that and, yeah. and teach me the importance of that. So um, I see it as I, I want to know people's stories. Like, I want to know what they're doing there. I want to know, how did you wind up playing with me on a Wednesday in Texas? Yeah, and it's an interesting concept as well when you combine it with Mike Wan's little cue cards where yeah. he tells people, 
that may not get it as much as you, that the sponsors are the ones who sign the check. So you got to make sure that it is their day, whether you believe it or not. And it is. I mean, it truly is. If they have a terrible time, they're yeah. not coming back. And that's, you know, I use that with my foundation event, too. I tell my board and I say, look, I'd, I want certain things done a certain way because I want people to come back. You know, I want them to have a good time. I don't want them to walk away saying, I never want to do that again. And, and I think that's what LPGA players get. They get that if they walk away saying, gosh, that was fun, they'll come back. Talk about your foundation. You know, um, I, like, I've always wanted to help kids. Um, I, I love kids. I think they can't, a lot of times they can't, they kind of get dealt a bad hand and, and they didn't ask for it. Uh, my mom was diagnosed in 2009. Um, and then we lost a board member to cancer in 2010. And I realized that when I was in high school, if I were a senior, I probably wouldn't have gone straight to school because we were very middle class. Um, so we're trying to catch those kids that maybe are too rich or too poor and they kind of miss some of the, the funding or whatever. Um, so we're just trying to help them keep going. Um, I believe you have to have a purpose in the morning. You're passionate. Obviously, you have some experience with the benefits of the charity. Business show, how's your foundation organized? You have an active board. Do you run it? What's the deal? Uh, I'm on the board. We have uh, we have seven board members. We have a scholarship committee who reads the scholarship applications. I sit on that too. I'm very involved. I don't. Uh, I actually had this conversation with my mom before I. The foundation started in 2009, and I said, "Mom, I I think it's a big deal to ask people for their money, and and I don't want to ever do anything that I'm not supposed to do with that money. We only have one paid employee. I say we're very boutiquey. You know, we're not the WalMarts of the world, no. but um, but hopefully we'll get there. We serve Texas kids in Texas schools, but pretty big state to start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I just we're trying to keep the expenses to a minimum because when people give me their money, I want them to know that it's actually going to a kid in their future. Sure, they know, and I'm sure they do. Interesting question. I'm assuming you're a jock, you're a cowboy fan, TCU. What do you think about the one and done in college basketball? Boy, I tell you, I, I, I wish it would go away. And in my, I always thought, so then you see these kids for two or three more years, and I think that makes the NCAA tournament at the end of the year that much better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could make it better, but I think it would. Yeah. But then I didn't even think about the front end of that where kids that don't even want to go to college. And I kind of wish it would be that way. Either you don't go or you declare as an amateur or whatever you're going to do, and if you don't get drafted, you still have that opportunity. But... I just, I think the one and done, because I want to see those guys keep playing. Like, I, there's just something about watching a senior at Duke or something like, you know, a there senior was one. at, yeah, the one. <laughs> it's like Tyrannosaurus Rex now. You're, you're yeah. never going to see another one. Probably. I know. I just, it, it just, uh, you know, I just, I wish they had more juniors and seniors playing in this, in the NCAA tournament. Well, the bottom line, too, is, a, and this is not for this, but it is interesting to know that we're probably heading toward that baseball system where you can either go straight to the pros, but if you commit, you got to stay at least two years. Better? I love it. Yeah. I, I think, and I think it's great for the coaches too. I, yeah. you know, this is just my personal opinion. I'm not sure that you have that the controversy with the coaches if it weren't so cutthroat about I got to find that one kid for one year and then he's got to go. Yeah. And, and, and from a TCU perspective, when are you going to start playing defense? You win your football games 63 to 58. Are you going to start? <laughs> you're going to start playing defense sometime or what? 
you're talking about Coach Patterson's <laughs> defense. I I just can't believe that. <laughs> I, I think um, Coach Patterson's got it under control. Good. There you go. That's yeah. a good answer. And a Cowboy fan, clearly. I am. I really, sincerely, I, you know, they drive me crazy, and I, I can't say why because I know that Jerry Jones would see this somewhere along the line. Yes, and, he would. Um, you know, I. He's, he's at the pro am party tonight, by the way. Personally, there's a big fifty foot screen of him up there, uh-oh. so looking well, down. <laughs> I have a few things to say, yeah, but I'm sure. no, I find myself. I mean, definitely cowboy fan by birth, but when I watch them, as as mad as they make me, I'm I'm behind them. So finally, speech communication major, TCU grad. What do you do after golf? I don't know. I I'd never. Um, Somebody once told me a long time ago, if you have a plan B, you're probably going to fall back on it. So I haven't really had a plan B yet, but I think if you're totally 100% in on what you're doing right now, uh, I think the right door will open when you're done. And so there are a few more majors in your uh, major victories in your future? I hope so. I think that's why I'm sticking around. Maybe I just outlast everybody and then I I finally get one. (laughs) Not a problem with that. Work for the Cubs. Thank you, Angela. Appreciate that very much. Thanks for having me. You can tell Angela's uh, articulate as well, a speech communications major and gets a degree at TCU on all of this, but it is so much more. Amy, what do you take away from the interview? Well, I was really impressed, um, you know, when she was talking a lot about kind of building up her brand and, um, you know, kind of surprised to learn that even before she graduated from college, she was already starting to build up these relationships with uh, potential sponsors, obviously everything above board, but just even just making those relationships, introducing herself, making sure they know her name and she knows theirs, it's it's just, it, again, it's just playing the long game in a way that I think is really savvy and I think that has served her really well, um, especially from a business perspective. So I think that's probably good advice for all of us, to be honest. Really good advice. And, and a lot of it has to do with the way she was brought up and the kind of business person she is. A lot of it also has to do with Mike Wan, the commissioner of the LPGA. He has crib notes uh, for... For all folks uh, who are playing, uh, all the women who play on, on, on his tour, the LPGA, who the sponsors are, who the sponsor of the particular tournament is, uh, Volunteers of America sponsored the LPGA Texas Classic when this interview was done. Not only kudos to them, but, but you could see how respectful she was of all of those who, in Mike Wan's words, write the checks. And so there is a balance that she has between practicing philanthropy business life and lucky enough to be involved in the LPGA, uh, who also promotes all of that, right? Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, she's she's clearly got a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, that foundation sounds like it's really a, a passion project of hers. Um, but the, you're right. Like, she has, a, she has a good, I think, appreciation of everything that goes on behind the scenes at L- LPGA. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, she's really, I think, going to be able to take that transition from professional sports to business in a way that I think a lot of other athletes sometimes struggle with. And here's what I think is the bottom line. Economy doing better, business of golf doing better, golf course design up, retail goods sales up, golf equipment uh, way up, uh, prize money for all of these tournaments up, and the LPGA is no exception. And when you have someone like Angela Stanford, who is a business person who can appeal to corporate sponsors and obviously playing good golf on the heels of what Tiger and others are doing on the men's side, golf looks very, very good, even if some of us don't play better than others. Rick Harrow, speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, assistance provided by Carlos Waddick, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, 
and Jamie Swimmer, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.